Welcome to the Blue Dot Podcast. Please join us as we discuss what's happening in Harrison County, Indiana. Hey, Harrison County. I'm Elmer Ramos. And I'm Graylin Porter, and you're listening to the Blue Dot Podcast. County and welcome to episode 21. All right, mm-hmm. man. Mm-hmm. The, the, legal? These... We're legal to drink now. <laughs> it just keeps adding up, you know? I yeah. honestly didn't think we would be, I don't know. I, I, I'm just trying I, to be I, optimistic, I but like it just, you know, the, the fact that it keeps moving along and like mm-hmm. we, we keep well, getting I have this support. weird thing. Like when I do anything in my life, I just like don't think about it too far in advance. I just decide to do something. And so I, I really can't believe, like, we haven't missed a single week. Like, we've put out a new episode every two weeks yeah. consistently, like, from the jump. We, we've had some tight spots there, but yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and there was yeah. one time we were, or I was out of power, and I was like, oh, man, this is mm-hmm. not going to happen. But well, we still made that, it. We don't have to go on to this too long, but for those listening that live in the town of Corydon, we have been losing our power randomly. Yeah. Quite often the past few weeks. Yeah. I'm not sure what's, what's happening. Yeah. It, I, I called the um, Duke Energy and they said that yeah. it was about 690 households that were without yeah. power. Yeah. And it's uh, it's just kind of bizarre. I don't, I, I don't it, really it's, know. It's strange. And it, you know, it's not related to any weather events. Exactly. And also, we've lost our internet randomly. Oh, really? A lot in the past few weeks. And that never happens. I'm on Spectrum. Yeah. Um, so I don't know what's going on with that. If anyone out there knows, yeah, let, let us, us know. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I'm I'm not very uh, uh, fun to be around if there's no internet. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm pretty. I'm a big baby about it. So <laughs> on today's episode, we're going to be talking about the Delta variant. Oh Delta. That thing. Uh, you know, so much to say about it. <laughs> so much to say. Um, and then we're going to be talking a little bit about local news. Not much going on. Um, Not much going on at but, uh, all. We'll, we'll talk about the 2022 uh, budget that's um, happening right now or the budget allocation. Mm-hmm. And then the Lanesville Business Park updates. Um, we talked about yep. that on our last episode and we'll let you know what's going on with that. And today we have uh, two very special guests. Um, they both uh, work at the court um, therapy. Is that, is that what it is? Physical therapy. Physical mm-hmm. therapy. And it yep. is Mary Bowman and Daniel Love. And we mm-hmm. are very excited to talk to them. Yes. And- their new location is opening this week, or I think it's been open, but they're having their official right. like ribbon cutting yeah. this week. Yeah. yeah. So um, don't go anywhere. And uh, uh, yeah, let's, let's dig in. <laughs> mm-hmm. Hey guys, if you love getting local updates from the Blue Dot, consider making a donation by visiting bluedothc.com slash donate. Blue Dot is made up of volunteers and all donations go towards reaching out into the community and bring you the information you deserve. Any contributions will make significant impact onto the podcast. Visit bluedothc.com slash donate to make your contributions. Thanks a lot. Okay, as far as local news goes, there has not been much going on since our last episode. I know we talked kind of um, at length about the recent happenings out at the Lanesville Business Park and uh, Daryl Velker's presentation to the council for a refundable deposit of a million dollars to extend this gas line. And so I think it was the meeting that happened two days before that episode came out. Um, that they approved that unanimously. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, seven to zero. So wow. it, yeah, we knew that was going to happen. Um, it, it, it's really funny because it was, you know, approved in less than 10 minutes, even though they, they had had a length, more lengthy discussion on it in, in the previous meeting. Mm-hmm. But then they had, right after they approved it, there was a very long discussion about a transfer of funds from from one fund to another of like less than a thousand dollars and they spent like 25 minutes on that (laughs) i don't understand that i I really don't yeah so it's just it's so it's so crazy um to watch it just doesn't make a lot of sense but so that was approved i will say that jenny capelli did she was very concerned about getting it across to the public that this money will not be released um until the spring and if this company decides to back out, this mysterious company, 
this money will not be spent. So, and the other part, do we do we have any details on what exactly does it mean that it's uh, refundable? Um, like, mm-hmm. when yeah. are they going to pay it back? Are they going to? They it have back? six years. They have six years okay. to pay it back. Uh, Indiana Utilities will pay a percentage of the the uh, you know revenue mm-hmm. from the gas line mm-hmm. will go back to uh, the Economic Development Corp. And they have six years to get to the million, but when the six years is up, if they're not at that million, it's just forget, you know, forgotten. Hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. So, I got, I'm just, I got nothing else. Yeah. And okay, so, I have another question though. What yeah. is that for this, still this current budget cycle that we're in, or is this going to go into the 2020? This is next year. Mm-hmm. Okay. This is wow. 2022, which brings us to Holy our cow. other yeah, this other big topic, <laughs> which is um, starting this week, uh, it, Tuesday and Thursday of this week, and then there's meetings next week and the week after, the county council will have all of their budget sessions where they meet and go through every single department and um, talk about the budget and create the budget for next year. And those are open to the public. We'll have a, a schedule for you in the show notes of those meetings. We are planning to record them and post them, so you don't actually have to go if you don't want to. Uh, but they are very, uh, I'm not going to say interesting because uh, it's, you know, they're kind of boring, but they do provide you with a lot more context for all of this stuff we talk about. Like I went to all of them last year and I learned a ton. Yeah. So. And it's interesting how money decisions are are made and, and it's like based on, I, I, so businesses are proposing what they need and, and that's being considered. Yeah. Okay. It's interesting. Depart- departments come and present what they would like and um, non-government organizations. They've already done most of those, uh, but then they kind of review those proposals in these meetings and decide if they're going to give it to them or not. So this is funny because I used to um, work I, I w- in college. I was part of a group that that was the budget allocation committee for all the clubs at the college. Oh, wow. <laughs> and uh, I, it's interesting how money decisions are made based, you know, like they mm-hmm. essentially told us this is your amount and you got to distribute it based on this many clubs. Wow. Powerful. Um, and it was kind of interesting and I, I like doing it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting that obviously you kind of show preferences to things that you're most familiar with or mm-hmm. or maybe you know them a little bit. But then at the same mm-hmm. time, you're not really supposed to if you have any affiliation with that club or you're not supposed right. to be in the room. That's so interesting. It's like, yeah. I always wonder where's that fine line between like, okay, I know these guys or I'm really mm-hmm. exclusively like, in, in, you know, part of yeah. this stuff. So it's always- From what I can tell, from what I can tell, the current leadership in the county cares about roads and vehicles mm-hmm. and buildings, roads, vehicles, buildings. That's what they like to put the money into. Interesting. Yeah, and I, I'm I'm a little concerned about the animal control. That's really, I think, mm-hmm. one of the most important. That's going to be the main thing we're watching out for. Yeah, for sure. So mm-hmm. hopefully they they get funded and stuff. But... All right, our big topic though is uh, the Delta variant, and um, oh boy. I mean, I, we did have conversations about this prior and um, to this episode, and we ended yeah. up deciding to put it all together on this episode because yeah. there's so much to well, talk about and it's so much happening and changing. Yeah, so it fast. changed so fast. Like we talked about it on a Sunday, and then the episode was supposed to come out Wednesday, and it was just already completely outdated yeah. uh the conversation we had and it, that's that's how fast this thing changes day to day i feel like not only the the data and the science is evolving but the attitude around it is evolving and i don't know i this will be interesting to talk about because i feel like in some ways we we kind of bounce back from from the media at large being very very um scaremongering about it mm-hmm. to saying oh no it's actually okay mm-hmm. and, and it's it's very confusing. Mm-hmm. Even for somebody like me who reads a lot of news every day. Yep. I compl- well, very, I very guess confusing. from your opinion, what is the, the bottom line? What, what, what is what you understand from what's happening right now? From what I understand and what I've been reading is that if you are fully vaccinated, you're relatively, relatively okay. You, you may catch COVID. And we knew that before the vaccine, we knew that these vaccines were not 100% effective. We knew there was a possibility 
of breakthrough cases, but you will not end up in the hospital. I mean, Mm -hmm. very few people have ended up in the hospital if they were fully vaccinated. It has happened, but very few people. Essentially getting the vaccine cuts down on it hitting you so bad that you end up either in the hospital or worse, dead. Yeah. (laughs) So I still want to get the, you know, well, I got the vaccine, but like, yeah, (laughs) if you didn't have the vaccine, you probably should still get it, even though you can still contract, you know. And people are getting it like crazy right now. Vaccinations are up 20% as of last week. And and I think that something I thought would be interesting to, to talk about is, um, you know, the vaccine, like everything else with COVID has become so politicized, but when you actually look at the data, it actually isn't. To me, to me, it actually, what we see tells me it's not actually about politics with people, for most people with, with the vaccination. So 90% of people above the age of 65 are fully vaccinated. Mm-hmm. That tells me that if this, if you think this uh, disease is a danger, you're going to get vaccinated. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, I think, don't. They honestly aren't scared of getting it. Interesting. I, I think I think that's kind of where we're at, and whether that's a, you know, a political opinion, and that and that opinion has been drive driven by politics. Your politics, I don't know, but I think the majority of people just aren't thinking about it as much as. I am, or, you know, mm-hmm. um, I think it, it's, I, I just don't think they've gotten around to it. They don't think it's that big a deal. Mm-hmm. Do you think, I mean, do you agree with that or I, is that just the, well, bonkers? What that reminds me of is like, uh, some people are thinking about this idea of like natural selection and like, if you get mm-hmm. it and you survive, then it's okay. And if you get it and you die, then, oh, well, like then I was supposed to die. And I think to me that that mindset is pretty bizarre. Uh, I, I don't want to, I, I, if I have an option to stay alive, then I'm going to choose to stay alive. I'm not going to just risk, mm-hmm. you know, um, but I was listening to the daily, um, uh, the daily from the New York times uh, podcast. Mm-hmm. And uh, they interviewed several people who have not gotten the vaccine and they all had different reasons. And I would agree that it was definitely not, um, political like their answers mm-hmm. were all based on either fear of the fact that it came out so early and there's not enough research or this idea that you know if i'm if i catch it and i die then oh well then i die and i was like to me that's just a bit selfish and they also mm-hmm. some of these people had family members that died and mm-hmm. they did say that well we kind of regret that we didn't get it or that at least they didn't get it because they had underlying mm-hmm. conditions and i, I just think that that's a very selfish response to, to yeah. you know, like if, if you have family members, if you have children in your family, mm-hmm. obviously children cannot get vaccinated yet. And I know there's a lot yeah. of research and, and studies happening right now. Um, mm-hmm. But I, it's still, I still think that, you know, obviously I much rather be vaccinated than catch this, whatever is yeah. out there, you know? I, I agree. I mean, I, I just think that from the, beginning there's been a large group of people who just don't think it's that serious and and they and it's unfortunate (laughs) because this it is such a strange new disease where we it seems to affect people so differently with no rhyme or reason as to why it affects them that way so you know if we had a pandemic going on that that is one out of the movies i think of that movie contagion Mm -hmm. You've seen it? No, like, I have not it, seen or, it. Or like, could... um, or outbreak. Outbreaks another like. Is that the one with pandemic? monkey? The monkey. Yeah, virus? yeah. Okay. So like, like in those horrible movies that are just <laughs> terrifying, the the disease kills the people. You know, mm-hmm. pretty much certainly and immediately. This is so such a more ambiguous disease. It affects people so differently. Um, some people, it's completely asymptomatic, and so you just have so much room for. Um, murky uh, details and mm-hmm. and people making their own opinion, you know, having their own opinions about it. They're completely based on nothing. And I just think that there's a lot of people out there that when they see how serious it's going to get, like when, when actually they see it happening around them and they realize it's serious, they'll just go get it. 
And that's what's happening. Right well, now. and then sometimes they're just going to get it. Sometimes it's just too late. That's the other part. Yeah. And yeah. And unfortunately it's going to be too late for, for a lot of people, yeah. but I do think that it's going to drive vaccinations way up. Um, I can, I'll ask Andrew to, for the source on this. We'll put it in the show notes, but I, he was reading an article about what it was like when the polio vaccine was, you know, introduced. And of course, polio affected children primarily. So they just vaccinated every kid in school without really asking the parents. I, I have talked to a lot of people I know, and they remember just getting lined up in school to That's get terrifying. Cause I know that yeah. if that happened today, it oh would my be gosh, mad chaos and it would be a, yes. such a political thing. But, but within adults, the, the vaccine uptake was, was kind of similar Mm-hmm. Uh, is COVID mm-hmm. back then with polio. So, so I don't think these are new problems. I think a lot of people like to say, you know, what is the world coming to? Um, I, I don't think we have any new problems. I think they're the same as uh, they've always been throughout history. Mm-hmm. We're just, we haven't seen it in recent times. And, and I, I think media, out. I would agree with you too, that media uh, really like just gives you so much information and it's all mixed information that Mm -hmm. you as an individual who's trying to be educated about things sometimes feel lost and don't know really where to stand and you have to eventually form your own opinion about what's right for you for you and i have not actually had that feeling until covid you know until this issue i've actually thought the media was pretty easy to navigate but but Especially a couple of weeks ago, the New York Times put out a story that the headline was very misleading, and it it said in so many words that vaccinated people can transmit the virus at, at the same rates as unvaccinated people. I can't remember the exact wording of the headline. They had to change it uh, after the fact, but it clearly that's clearly not true. We know vaccinated people transmit the virus at m- much, much, much lower rates than unvaccinated people, and it just it caused a firestorm. Yeah, for but, a couple of days. Essentially, there. you're negating uh, negating what. Yeah, you know, exactly. The mask like every, and and, every, and getting vaccinated. You know, all these vaccinated people. I thought this. We were like, oh my god, are we <laughs> going to have to just go right back to this? You know, and and part of me is somebody who's fully vaccinated. I just, you know, if I'm in a situation indoors with all vaccinated people, I, I feel safe that way. I, and, and the reason I do is because the science backs that up, but also because we can't just not be with anyone forever. Like we have a vaccine that's very good. Mm-hmm. At some point you have to say, okay, I've done everything I can do, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I think that way back when uh, Biden announced that if you are vaccinated, you can be out in the open without a mask and all that. I think mm-hmm. to me, that was a little premature. And, and, yeah, and it, totally. it, I think it could that that almost created a bigger problem later on, because now we're going back to now you got to wear a mask. And so I, I feel mm-hmm. like if we hadn't gotten to that point and we because I think the whole reason for that was so that to maybe encourage more people to get vaccinated. But I don't think that that really had that effect. I think they just created a, a bigger problem because now mm-hmm. we're contradicting what we said before. And like people don't do well with like contradictions. I mean, we oh, no. obviously if you tell someone one thing and, and then you say another, even though it's based on research, they're going to say, oh, well, yesterday you said this and now you said that. So what am I it's supposed to believe? It's just a complete, it's a complete breakdown of people's trust. Yeah. Like, just totally. So I think, I think, you know, I, I mean, we, I, I'm still going to be listening to the CDC and I'm still going to mm-hmm. be keeping my ears open for all the information that's coming out. But I, I think, I don't know, sometimes I feel like some of this information is just like coming out way too early. Like they well, they just it's I feel like they've kind of bungled the messaging. And, you know, my first thought is someone who lives in Indiana when that came when that guidance was released since the beginning, the, the major media outlets are not in the Midwest and in the South, right? They're mm-hmm. not based. They're on the coast. And I don't want to mm-hmm. generalize, but I just feel like saying, okay, you're going to let people that are vaccinated take masks off. Uh, how are you going to prove that? Uh, mm-hmm. Everyone's going to take their masks off. Mm-hmm. And we all know that less than half of the population here is vaccinated. Yep. Uh, you know, I th- that doesn't work here. Exactly. So, I- <laughs> you know, people people aren't even getting tested here. 
you know, we say, oh, we've got this number of cases and I'm just like, you know, that, that number yeah. probably times 10 is what we actually yeah, have. That's exactly I right. mean, you know, and so we don't know how many people have it. Yeah. It, it I just feel like since the beginning, it's like, come on out here and, and you'll see how this is really yeah. been going down. Maybe the blue dot should become like a, a, a national news. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, but see, but on the flip side of that, the one thing that I don't understand is, okay, so if this is true, like, no, what I think has to be true that, you know, we have way more cases than it says we do. And wouldn't we be seeing way more deaths? Mm-hmm. You know, wouldn't we be seeing way more hospitalizations, but we don't. And so that's another thing I don't understand. Yeah. I, I there's a lot of things I still just don't understand about any of this. Yeah. And I think that's a common, uh, you know, a common experience for people right now. Well, I think the big concern concern now is is the kids. I mean, all the kids yeah. going back to school and like what's going to happen when falls rolls around and the yeah. the the Delta variant has hit its peak and and you know um are I, I mean did, I know we talked about mm-hmm. uh, the schools well, not requiring masks. Did they? Well, they that? they haven't worked. Yeah, they they I had gone to a school board meeting and they had decided they were going to quarantine kids and students and or and staff. Um, but the masks are still optional. Yeah. So that the Friday before school started, it's like a week and a half ago, Holcomb had a press conference about COVID updates and mm-hmm. he, uh, the, they had two representatives from the Indiana Board of Health on there. And they said every student, teacher and staff member in our schools should be masking at all times. Two hours later, Mark Eastridge, superintendent at South Harrison, sent an email out that masks are still optional. Wow. I mean, I just, it's absolutely unbelievable to me. Unbelievable. And it it's its made me so furious. I just, I can barely even talk about it. Yeah, I'll be honest. Definitely very careless. It's just ridiculous. And so I, they had a school board meeting Tuesday night. And we recorded that it's up on the site. I don't remember. We have a timestamp for when he starts talking about COVID. And he said that he gets emails daily. They have a dashboard with case numbers. And he said, if we need to mask up, we'll mask up. And I'm like, but what, what determines that? Like, if we don't need to now, then when are you going to need to? Mm -hmm. I mean, this is. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Well, on the on the plus side, I know that there's, um, according to Dr. Fauci, um, he said that the National Institute of Health um, is doing some de-escalation studies for, um, you know, like 11 or nine-year-olds mm-hmm. to 11-year-olds and nine to six, six to two and two to six-month-olds. So they're doing all these tests right now for children and they're trying to get it out by, you know, late August. Well, no, yeah. what am I talking about? you know, late fall is what I meant to say. Yeah, yeah. And, um, but they still don't think that that's, you know, even going to happen. Cause you know, you still got to gather yeah. all this data. So I don't know if, yeah. if I had kids, I would be very concerned and I probably, I don't know. I don't know if I would be letting them go to school if, if they weren't, yeah. you know, it's a very tough, tough situation. I feel very lucky to have kids that are too little to be for honest, that to yeah. be a problem. Yeah. But, um, I don't know what I would do. I honestly don't know what I would do. Well, if I if I was a working parent and had to send my kid to school, I would be a complete wreck. Yeah, definitely. I would. Um, and and I think I I there's one interview I found today. It's on Instagram, um, Jessica Ellen's IGTV with a with a guy named Dr. Ashish Jaha of Brown University, and it's 24 minutes long, but it is a phenomenal resource uh, for people with kids, but also just in general, just answering kind of a lot of these questions we brought up right here. Mm-hmm. Um, it really did make me feel good. Like it doesn't, he's not really optimistic and he's not pessimistic. He just says, these are the facts. Yeah. And he did. Yeah. I remember him mentioning about, he does have children and he feels mm-hmm. completely comfortable having them go back to school, which, you know, for a doctor, right. you know, someone with a high profile. Well, yeah. And he mentioned that the best thing you can do for, for kids is to get all the adults around them. Vaccinated. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think it's interesting that he didn't really necessarily say masks were our first, you know, that you should go to masks first, vaccine first, then look at masking. 
And I thought that was really interesting. And so I'm hoping that, that the, and the trend is kind of going this way that mat, uh, vaccine mandates mm-hmm. will be kind of uh, pushed a little bit harder than going back to a mask. You mean, you mean like almost like a, you can't, you can't come in unless you're vaccinated kind of yeah, thing? Yeah, like you've got to get the vaccine. If yeah. you, I know a lot of employers are starting to require it. Yeah. And I think that's the way to go. Uh, for some reason, the mask from the very beginning has just been a non-starter for people. Uh, you can't you know? make me. <laughs> yeah. And I think I think it's interesting because if you require people to get the vaccine, you have a rock solid argument that we require these other vaccinations mm-hmm. for things, mm-hmm. you know, to do things. And so I think that that's actually probably a, a safer way to go about it. And you'll run into less trouble. Wait, what do you what do you mean by that? So, like, if if employers are you know to to really to mandate a vaccine, mm-hmm. like you have to get the vaccine okay. if you want to work here. Well, isn't that normal for um, like when you're enrolling your kid in school or something right. that they have so, to so, be vaccinated? So, like a lot of schools. So, what what Dr. Jaha said was he wishes that he would he would it was seeing more high schools requiring the vaccination. You know that with kids that are old enough to get it, you have to be vaccinated to come to school. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I think that schools and administrators would have a very solid argument if they decided to do that. Like we require all these other vaccinations. Mm-hmm. This is no different. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I hundred percent agree. I mean, why, yeah. why, yeah. Why would it be any different? <laughs> yeah. So anyway, it's such a, I did have, um, I copied and pasted Glenn Ayers, um, our friend Glenn on Facebook. He posted something. I don't know if it was today. I, just, I saw it today though. And I just thought it was really great. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'll read it. It says <laughs> um, Christian versus Muslim, believer versus atheist, black versus white, BLM versus back the blue, Republican versus Democrat. And now we got vaccinated versus unvaccinated. It's truly amazing as a species how we go out of our way to look for dumb differences to keep us fighting with each other and apart instead of just sitting down and talking to each other to try to find understanding. Yep, I I completely 100% agree. And yeah. I, it's, but it's always been this way. I mean, this is mm-hmm, mm-hmm. as far back as you can go. This is the same mindset. And when are we going to like evolve and like be above this? Be, you know, be able mm-hmm. to discuss things in a civil way where we're not against each other we're just trying to like understand each other's perspective i don't know yeah but yeah it's uh, interesting mm-hmm. i wanted to ask you uh have you mm-hmm. heard about any other variants uh i have uh lambda uh-huh. is one i've heard mentioned and then there's also something called delta plus yeah that one's kind of the same as delta but worse mm-hmm. <laughs> but worse <laughs> yeah and I've decided I'm just not going to think about them. <laughs> okay. At the moment. Yeah. I'm just curious yeah. what, you know, we're talking about Delta. Like it's the, the last, the worst one. And the, and the last one is like, there's all these other variants mm-hmm. around that are still, you know, like this could be ongoing for the next five, 10 years. Yeah. And I think that's something that a lot of people are not thinking about right now. Unfortunately, I live with an engineer who, thinks it like just says the stuff like I remember last uh winter like late February Andrew was like uh yeah there's gonna be about a quarter million people in the U.S. dead if this this actually happens and and from the very beginning I was kind of like uh but no we were talking about this and you know he was saying we're always gonna have COVID yep like it's gonna be like the flu that's yeah it's it's never gonna go away and so we basically have to be resigned to the fact that we're probably going to get it, but -hmm. if you have the vaccine, you're not going to, you know, hopefully get seriously sick. So I don't think that's really kind of sunk in yet with people that this is not never going to go away. Yeah. That ship has sailed. Yep. And the best thing you can do is just get vaccinated and, And, uh, you know, hope that you don't get it and be smart about wearing a mask when you feel like you need to, even if you're vaccinated. Yeah. I, one more thing. I know we've been talking about this forever, but I saw a cartoon yesterday that somebody posted and they were like, I don't remember what the cartoon looked like. It was like, you know, a person looking hopeless. And it said, it said, so basically we've landed on, if I get it, 
I'm going to maybe get it. I might die. And that's the answer. <laughs> like I'm going to get it and maybe I'll be okay. And maybe I won't. There you go. So, so uh, <laughs> like playing Russian roulette with COVID here. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, of course, maybe if, not. And if you, if you get vaccinated, it's like you put blanks in the gun. So, <laughs> oh man. It sounds scary. That's, but I know this is getting morbid. Make the uh, best decision that you can. And, yeah, uh, know. you know, and of course our heart goes out to everybody that's had, I mean, I just, it's, it's horrible that we are so desensitized to this, that it, it has ended in cartoons like that. Like I just still can't get over the fact that over half a million people have died from this and we're still, people still yeah. don't yeah. care. Exactly. I mean, it is so crazy. Because the number doesn't mean anything to anyone. That no. the number doesn't mean anything. But if you were and to I, see these bodies laying on a field, maybe, maybe that would be a better perspective. Or if you put it into perspective with like how, yeah, I, it's just, if you compare it to, you know, like how many people died in other, um, you know, tragedies throughout history that, that, that in our mind are so large, yeah. like it doesn't even compare. Um, I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm at a loss for words at the way people have. Well, just not cared since yeah. the beginning. I thought making a, a stadium comparison way back was like mm-hmm. would make sense. It's like this is how many people we can fit at the Nordain or whatever stadium, and uh, this is how many people have died. That means you can fill up the stadium like five times, but you know maybe more. But whatever. I don't. I, this is yeah. like me just making it up right now. But yeah. um, that's like one way to understand how massive this is, and it's still. Yeah. I mean, the fact that you're questioning it, and that's I don't know. It's unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, it's unbelievable. All right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, be back here in a little bit with Mary and Daniel. Maybe they'll make us feel better. Yeah. All right. All right. For today's deep dive, we have Mary Bowman and Daniel Love. How's it going, guys? Doing Hi. great. Hey. So. Mary and Daniel, they work at the Court Physical Therapy, and um, Daniel is actually the uh, clinic director, and Mary is the uh, one of the therapists that works there. She's the therapist that works the, there. The best, the number one. <laughs> oh, <please>. No. <laughs> but yeah, we wanted to have you on because um, you, you're getting ready to move into that beautiful new building, Right. Yes, actually, we already moved in there. Really? In the oh my gosh! Yeah, we, we are now officially through our first full week in the new building. Oh wow! Um, oh, been, how's it been? It's been a process, but it's <laughs> yeah. a beautiful new building. Um, it is beautiful. So yeah, we've we've loved the space. Um, it's a gorgeous building. We're excited for you know more people in the community to see it. Um, not necessarily for people to get hurt and come to see us, but right. we have our ribbon cutting later. Um, and it's, it's a great space and we were needing it. We were, we were growing yeah. and needing it. Well, yeah, that's kind of one thing I wanted to touch on is just the need for, for the phys- physical therapy in the community. And it seems to be growing, you know, I, and I don't want to be ageist, but we have a lot of boomers. <laughs> And, you know, I, I hear about my, my parents, friends, you know, they're entering therapy a lot, either Mm -hmm. after surgery or, or, you know, injury and things. Um, but also I feel like the awareness around just the need for therapy, even if you don't have an injury Mm -hmm. or an Mm -hmm. ailment of some kind, just to be more body aware is there's seems to be more education on that. Is that something at all, Mary? Uh, yes. So um, I'll take this one. Yes. I do yeah. believe. Um, I think in general, we're seeing this movement and there are so many variables that go into it. Some of it can be that people are trying to find different ways to manage their pain um, instead of say surgery or um, pain pills, other things, mm-hmm. a more holistic way of treating themselves and exercise and nutrition are wonderful avenues that they can go through. And Thankfully, through our state, we now have um, direct access for most commercial insurances. So you don't necessarily need to see a doctor before you come and see us. You can come and see us if you have, um, you know, some type of injury and, and you wake up one day, and your neck hurts, things like that. You don't have to necessarily go to the doctor if you've been to a physical therapy 
therapist before and Mm -hmm. you felt comfortable with that person, um, you can come see us instead of maybe going in and trying a different avenue. Usually, you know, medications are the first things that are thrown at you. And and those are wonderful things. And sometimes we need them and sometimes they don't work, or sometimes you just want something else. And that's where physical therapy comes in. Yeah. I think too, that like, there's, there's been a little more shift in healthcare of a a consumer approach. And so more and more people are becoming more aware of their options in healthcare. Mm -hmm. Um, I think even the, the, this gets into the wider range of medicine as a whole. But when you think about like high deductible health plans or health savings accounts, like people are becoming more aware of like what their money is going toward and whether that's positively affecting them. And right. I think that has helped our industry as physical therapists that, that people are, you know, people generally speaking, if you ask anyone, Hey, do you, do you feel like exercise would be healthy for you? Pretty much everyone's going to say yes, but the majority of people are going to say, but I don't do that. Um, But when they're injured or when they're thinking about healthy aging, then a lot of times physical therapy is coming up more frequently um, in in that area. And I think that's, that's obviously a a positive shift for our industry. And then something where people are, are seeking that out. There's actually an article this week in the New York times that was talking about physical therapy specifically as a profession, but even Mm -hmm. within physical therapy, the article was encouraging people like be selective in who you choose as a physical therapist, because there are some therapists who are going to be more evidence informed, more progressive. And there are other clinics or therapists who are going to be maybe doing some things that, that aren't as helpful. And even within physical therapy, people are starting to choose and realize that they Mm -hmm. have a choice in who they go and see. And it's such a kind of, it's kind of an intimate interaction, you know, and you get a relationship with Mm -hmm. the person, um, in that way. And, and you also have, um, therapists that, you know, are specializing in, in different things. Um, you know, Mary, I know you've done a lot of work with pelvic health. Yes. Yes. Which is something that, that I think so many people need. So, yes. so many. And I think it's being brought more to light all the time. Um, so I can go on my little soapbox now about pelvic health, but sure, let's um, do it. It is, uh, it's a fantastic industry. I'm super passionate about it. And, and she's I'm, incredible. I've been to not, not one, <laughs> but two classes with her. That's right. Yes. I do like to educate. Um, but I was actually reading another article that was uh, published in one of the journals for physical therapy and it is on women or basically pelvic health stating that. of women will have some form of incontinence within the lifespan. And that if you go across the sports and this is any type of sport, one in three women will report some type of urinary incontinence, which is kind of crazy. Cause so, I mean, most people think of incontinence as something that happens, you know, when you're in 60, 65 years old, and it's not, this is something that can start as early as in your teenage years. If you're doing some really high aggressive like gymnastics, lots of jumping plyometrics, but even can affect swimmers, other types of, of sports, which is fascinating to me, but it's across the lifetime. And of course, pregnancy is something that we look at and it's, it's an area that people are overly sensitive about and don't necessarily want to talk about because it makes them feel vulnerable. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it is, it is a quality of life um, thing that we have to look at. And and again, 50% of Americans will end up living, sorry, ending their lifespans in diapers. And that is a scary statistic. So why not take charge of yourself now and learn things? And again, this doesn't necessarily mean exercise. I educate on nutrition. We talk about different types of lifting and biomechanical things that you can do just throughout your day that can just completely change how we, we, we lift, we use our bodies and it can then change how you use your pelvic floor. So, um, that's my little soapbox on pelvic health, but it just, and there's so many different avenues of treatment. I see, again, I don't just see urinary incontinence. I see bowel incontinence. I don't just see females. I see male patients because they also have a pelvis and it also needs some work sometimes. They do. Um, Yeah. You know, (laughs) post-surgery, um, the whole gamut of things. Now this isn't all I see, I'm also a um, orthopedic certified specialist. So I do see any type of bone and joint type of issue, but my passion, as you can tell is pelvic health. So mm-hmm. just going to put that out there. If yes. you have any loved ones that have any issues or ever want questions, 
please send them my way. And we'll have all the contact info for you guys in our show notes, of course. Yes. And, and I'll follow up to, yeah. to echo Mary's passion on that. Like she, she does a phenomenal job with community education, like Graylin, you mentioned going mm-hmm. to a couple of her classes to try yeah. to spread that word. But I think I've had, a, I've had family members see her for pelvic health. I've had friends see her. And, and I think it's, it's very empowering for people who go to see her that within even a couple of visits or within a couple of weeks, how much can change about your life in a positive way. And mm-hmm. even though it is kind of a taboo thing, it's not something that you want to share with everyone and all that. Um, boy, the the results are just just fantastic most of the time. Um, mm-hmm. And I definitely would encourage anyone who listens to this who you know is on the fence of whether that's something they'd want to check out. You know, at least give it a, a shot because it can it can change your life. It's not it's not that things get perfect right away, but boy, the changes that can be made quickly are pretty profound. Yeah, yeah, and 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 Mary just makes it so approachable and just she just gives off that vibe it's just very comfortable like it's funny the two classes I went to I I thought were fun yeah and I think it's physical therapy too I think people think it's one-stop shopping so they, they look at physical therapy and think oh it's it's only about exercise but the the fact of the matter is like you said it is a little more of an intimate setting in which you know we get to spend our first visit for one entire hour with our patients and a lot of times we are just meeting that patient where they are in life so if mm-hmm. you come in and you tell me you've got three kids at home and you know you're there because you finally got someone to babysit your kids for an hour and you're only going to be able to make it once a month we'll figure out what we need to do to make once a month work for you. So it, it doesn't have to be this like lifetime commitment of three times a week for six months. I mean, sometimes with your post ACLs, yes, but like for other people, we always want to put that out there. Like it's, it's where we need to meet you and we will meet you wherever that is at in your lifetime or where you're at in your life at the moment. So, well, I think you you sold me already. Um, I think that I, <laughs> uh, I, you know, because I used to think that like I had to, you know, to get in touch with like my like center myself and my my mind and my body. Um, I used to like I was like maybe I just need to do more yoga. Um, no. And so in yoga, after talking to Graylin, um, I'm no. realizing yoga is probably like sometimes not a good thing for your your body. Maybe doesn't. I think I think it depends. It's it, it's like anything. Too and much. Like any other exercise. Be, yeah, yeah. Too much can be bad. Yeah. And I just learned that the hard way yeah. after 10 years. And I just started running just because I wanted, I needed a mental like distraction and like something that was good for my body. But then now I'm getting into the point where I'm like, maybe I should start like, like adjusting the way what I eat and all that stuff. And I don't know, this isn't essentially all those things added up into one. So I, I might be coming by then. <laughs> yeah. Well, what, what I love about physical therapy and, and, you know, I don't know, I don't want to say that physical therapy and say that they're all the same, but from what I know of what Mary's taught me about it, and it's about learning how to use your body in a way that is most efficient and also healthiest for the actual body, Mm -hmm. you know, tool giving you tools on this body that you have and how I can better move in it. Because there are ways that are more efficient and healthier to do that, to do simple tasks. And then everybody's different. Yeah. Well, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And it's very, again, I'm using the same terminology, but it, it can be a very empowering thing, even outside of the realm of, you know, something that, that maybe is taboo, like uh, in the pelvic health area, but even if it's orthopedic, if it's a shoulder injury or a knee injury or an ankle injury or whatever, um, you know, there, there are some good things that we can do as therapists with our hands, with manual therapy skills, sometimes with the modalities, things, machines that we have in the clinic, but for the most part, a majority of the therapy is giving you the tools in order to manage your own conditions and to progress yourself going forward, along with a lot of education, along with talking about maybe nutrition and, and your work task and your home life and things like that. But it is a very empowering field to where a lot of it is, you know, if, if you're coming to see me, Elmer, it's like, okay, here, here are the, the three things that I'm seeing that are going to be most beneficial for you. Go, go use that. Like that's, that's now on you to determine whether you're going to go down that path or not. Um, and, and I think a lot of people enjoy and benefit from that. And I think on the flip side, there are some people 
who are wanting that quick fix and that like, hey, isn't there just one thing you can do to fix me and make all my problems go away? And generally speaking, that's not what we do. We we can help a little bit. We have some skills that we can do, but really our job at that point becomes having a discussion with you, identifying how these impairments are, are limiting your life and then helping you determine whether it's worth it to you to pursue a path out of that or not. Um, and that's a big part of our job. Yeah. Yeah. One thing I wanted to ask you guys is, is there one issue with people you see more than any other? No, no. We see the gamut. I feel like it comes in waves, which is kind of funny. So every once in a while, it's like, I haven't seen an ankle patient in six months. And the next thing I know, I have five on my schedule. But other than that, I mean, I guess, generally speaking, you definitely see a lot of low back pain, um, neck pain are very common. Um, but as far as shoulder versus knee versus ankle, I, I feel like it's, they're all about the same. Daniel, do you have a, yeah, I mean, I think part of that is us being in a somewhat rural setting. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think you do get some therapists or certain clinics that kind of get known in larger communities for certain areas. But with us being in Corden and Harrison County, we're kind of the the last major stop on 64 until you mm-hmm. get pretty far out that, mm-hmm. you know, we we see a mix of, of pretty much anything that, that comes through the door. Um, you know, I, obviously, if you wanted to generalize it, pain is, is what we, you know, it, it doesn't matter where it is. We see people who, who are having pain uh, yeah. and, and, you know, a few other areas, but that's generally it. Okay, cool. Um, well, I did want to ask you about uh, the cross country team. Yeah. Because you are the coach of the Corden Central cross country team, correct? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. yeah. So yeah. I'm, I'm entering my fourth year as the, the head coach there at, at Corden Central. I, uh, get the pleasure of coaching with my best friend, Nathan Broom. Uh, he, he's been uh, with me from the start uh, since I, I've been there. Um, and I, I love running. That's actually one of my specialty areas in, in physical therapy is treating runners. And really athlete management um, is something that I have a huge passion. And that's kind of uh, Mary, Mary's pelvic health uh, is her passion and, and sports <laughs> management and running is, is my passion. Um, yeah. So, you know, a lot of it stemmed from that. I just have a love for that, that sport. Um, and then I, I love coaching. I think that's, that's probably my, my greatest passion in life is coaching. Um, I love yeah. coaching at the high school level, but even, even at the professional level, I love to be an educator. I love to be um, in that role of kind of coaching others. Um, and so that's a, a big area for me. Yeah. Yeah. I just, they, uh, the team runs by, by my house a lot and it just, everyone on the team just always looks so happy. <laughs> it just, it just, it just seems like such a vibrant, just thriving team. And um, I, I've actually gotten back into running in the past couple of years. And so I've been running quite a bit. Elmer and I actually run sometimes in the morning. And, um, yep. you know, I'm always fascinated by people who think running is bad for your body. Cause I know that, I know that that's what we're told a lot, but sure. it's really more about how to run and the mechanics of running. Um, and so I think that's fascinating. I'm sure you're, you're very interested in that. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 From the the sports medicine side of things, you know, that's one of the first things that you'll come up against is, is people saying, well, running's bad for your knees. And and it's always fun for me to, to flip on that educator hat and say, well, actually (laughs) not the the research has actually shown that it it can be quite healthy for your knees. And that even in, in knees that already have injuries as a part of them running can still be a healthy part. And so I think a lot of it is, you know, you, you guys mentioned it earlier with, with yoga and, and your, both of your experiences with maybe pushing that a little too far, uh, running's the same way. There are some times that you can push it too far. And, you know, I have to be careful in my kind of dual roles that I see myself in, in, in kind of sports medicine and injury management. But then on the coaching side, my job is to get the, the highest performance level we can possibly get. And you're always kind of riding a line with that. Um, and, and having to be careful to, to not push your body too far or to push in my case, my, my, uh, athletes bodies too far, um, in that realm. But that's part of the, the art and science of it that I, that I, I enjoy so much is kind of, figuring that pathway for each individual out, which is, is difficult to do in a group setting. You know, like like you said, we've got a a great team, a lot of dedicated runners. We try to make it a fun environment where people feel like they can have success. 
um, and, and have a good time. But then it, it gets tricky when you're trying to manage different bodies, different mm-hmm. uh, what, what you would call running age or athletic age um, mm-hmm. and, and all of that uh, for a group setting. But it, it's a fun challenge. I enjoy it. Now, I know there's not a like specific uh, number, but um, what is the right amount of, of frequency of running? I knew you were going to ask. <laughs> Do you, is running like twice a week okay, every day okay? You know, what, what is your uh, perspective on that? Yeah, man, it's so individualized. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I run was, once a week, yeah, <laughs> there was a, a magic number. Well, actually, I mean, you can look online and, and you can find a magic number anywhere. And, yeah. and one person's going to tell you one and one person's going to tell you seven. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. you know, so I think it, it is very individualized. I think you can have success in running d- depending on what your goals are. Um, you know, running once a week, if, if that meets your goals, um, you know, if you have performance goals, then the majority of runners are going to need to probably run at least three to four times a week. But there are, there are runners that maybe have a high injury history, but still have high performance goals that maybe they only run two or three times a week. And they do a lot of cross training instead on the flip side. I think you can be a very healthy runner and run seven days a week and, and run pretty much every day of the year and still be a healthy runner. As long as you, manage your training correctly and as long as you build into that level of running correctly um so unfortunately elmer i'm gonna do the classic i don't know man. i don't know <laughs> yeah yeah that's always the answer yeah. no I, for, for a while there i was uh, running every day and then i hurt my knee obviously because i wasn't like considering like the impact that would have on my body and uh, and i was young and and stupid let's just say that and uh so then that kind of really affected my history in running and i'm just getting back into running now and i i think i'm more aware of my body now that i'm like trying to treat it better you know obviously um and i don't know i was i'm looking for that magic number yeah, yeah. <laughs> i run once a week because i'm very picky about the weather <laughs> there you go. Well, I actually saw you running your once a week run earlier oh, this week. So, yeah, yeah, I, I got it done. Great. I got it done. It was not easy. It was very humid, and I did not want to go, but I did it. Yes. And Graylin, I will say the reason that those runners are so happy is because Daniel has now been two years <laughs> running coach of the year at Cordon Central High School. Really? Wow! Congrats! Wonderful. <laughs> love him because he is so good at what he does. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can really tell that it's just a really, really, really successful program. Yeah. So I wanted to ask a little bit about your new location. And uh, I think you guys are having a a ribbon cutting. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. So we've got a a kind of our grand opening is August 11th. That's a Wednesday. Uh, We're going to have an open house from 12 to two. And then the ribbon cutting is going to be at 1230. Um, And so that gives us a little time to kind of get used to the space to um, hopefully get uh, some of the equipment that we've ordered in and and fill that space. Um, But that's going to be August 11th from 12 to two. It's open to the full community. Anyone can show up. Uh, we're, we're hoping people want to come and check out what it looks like inside. We've got a, a beautiful building. Um, Shireman Construction worked with us to, to build it and they did a tremendous job on that um, and have been helpful kind of all the way through the process. Um, and awesome. yeah, it's, it's great. We've got double the square footage of our old location, which is, mm-hmm. uh, has been good because we, we've been growing and needing the space and, and we're, we're filling the space quickly. Fabulous. So can I come in for a free consultation? Hey, you know what? We do have free consultations. <laughs> yeah, we do. So, so yeah, we, we do offer free screens. Um, and, and that's generally kind of a, a quick conversation with the therapist, letting them know, hey, this is something I've been dealing with. Do you think therapy could help? And then we can identify whether we feel like you'd be a good candidate for therapy or whether we, you know, there are some instances where we might say, hey, actually, you should probably go see someone else for this. Um, and then Mary mentioned we have direct access um, in the state of Indiana, which is a, a huge thing for for most patients on commercial insurances where uh, you can, you know, if you've got a shoulder pain, you don't necessarily have to go to a general provider who's going to say, yep, you have shoulder pain and send you on to therapy. You can come kind of straight to us in that case, if you feel like that's appropriate. Um, and, And we can see you with direct access. And then of course we have all of your classic ways that you can come to us through general providers or orthopedists or, uh, you know, surgeons. We see a lot of post-surgical patients um, and, and all of those methods as well. 
Awesome. That's exciting. I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to this now. <laughs> <laughs> I went for a free one after, uh, you know, having a baby wrecked my body and Mary helped me a little bit. So, you know. And we, and with our growth, um, adding the two new therapists. So we have Ashley Parsons and Jackie Melton now that are working with us. Jackie Melton. Jackie Melton. Oh, yes. She was Jackie, in our class Jackie as well. Smith now. Jackie, Jackie Smith. Mary, we sound like our mothers. We're <laughs> only talking about people with their maiden name. Listen, Jackie Smith. we cannot do this. I know, but they offer dry needling. Um, Ashley Parsons is uh, McKenzie trained, which is a very um, specific form of back treatment. Um, we also treat concussion. Um, again, Daniel does the gamut of athletics returns to sport, which is amazing, but he also is amazing at ACLs. And then I'm trying to think, what else do we? Yeah, we got, uh, so TMJ disorder, uh, vestibular, Jackie does vestibular. Um, I do some pediatric care as well. So we're not set up to be a full-on neurological pediatric clinic, but we, we can definitely see uh, pediatrics as well. Um, so we, we offer, generally speaking, you know, most, most services that you're going to need in a therapy provider. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. I have a question. Last question. Um, so you said something about dry needling. What's I was going to ask this. What's, <laughs> What's the difference the... between dry needling and acupuncture? And acupuncture, yes. I know, that's what I was going to ask. <laughs> wow. we, we're like the wrong therapist to ask because I feel like Ashley and Jackie could probably tell you much better. But um, I think it's all in the way you utilize the needle in the, in the, the theory behind it. Yes. It's about the philosophy or ideology. Yeah. So it's the, the, the training behind it is different. And also, um, some acupuncture will have medicated needles and in dry needling, there's never any type of of medication or fluid component to it. It's, it's the needle only. Um, and so there, there is some crossover between the two, uh, but for the most part, the training is much different. Um, most therapists trained in dry needling are, uh, primarily focused on muscle spindles and muscle pathways. There, are, there is a neurological component to it. And actually Jackie and Ashley are both trained differently. And so it's kind of nice to have both of their pathways of treatment for that. Um, whereas uh, with acupuncture, it's generally more neurological and energy system based. Um, and so the, the theory behind it and the approach to it is, is slightly different. Mm-hmm. Well, Got it. Well, thanks for that information. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. And like we said, we'll have all the contact information for you guys in the show notes. We'll have, you know, the date of the ribbon cutting and all of that. Um, so just head to our website. Uh, but thank you so much for coming on. Yeah. Thanks guys. Hey, thanks for having us. It was great. All right. So for, uh, recommendations, uh, what do you have? For us I don't have much of anything. Last time I had a whole bunch and this time I don't have much of anything. I've read a lot of books, but th- none of them have been very good. So <laughs> not um, worthy of the podcast. Not worth. No, definitely not. Uh, but I do have a cookbook to recommend. I checked it out of the library, which that's actually a recommendation itself is checking cookbooks out from the library. Mm-hmm. Such a great way to test drive a cookbook. Um, yeah. Cause they're expensive and mm-hmm. You know, there's no need to own it if you're not actually going to use it. So it's it's a nice way to try them out. But this one is the New York Times Cooking No Recipe Recipes book. That makes no sense. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so I got it just on a whim and I was like, oh, I'll try this. And the the recipes are like they have just a list of what you need on the side and mm-hmm. there's no amounts. Okay. And then it just kind of says do this with the stuff. Mm-hmm. And it actually is really great. Like I have looked through it and there's maybe 20 things I'm going to make. I already have wow. all the stuff to make it cool. and it seems easy, but it all seems a little bit new and inventive. Mm-hmm. Um, I made a corn and tomato salad the other wow. night. It was delightful. That sounds awesome. It's yeah. Sam Sifton is the, the author. Okay. And it's a nice little paperback kind of, um, it's got like a cloth cover, which I really love. So nice, yeah, nice. Like, I recommend it. It reminds me of the uh, that granola recipe I posted not that long yes. ago. It's actually I, like there's no measurements. The measurements mm-hmm. that I sent you were uh, yeah. just kind of what I use, but you can do whatever you want. So and that's my favorite way to to cook. I don't like to bake for the for 
The reason being that it's so like precise. You have to be, yeah, yeah, I can't. That's just not me. Um, Did I ever tell then, you that I worked at a as a baker for a lot no. during college? <laughs> With no baking skills whatsoever, I just kind of got oh. a job at a bakery and ended up. Did like, you have to be there at like four a.m.? Oh yeah, it sucked. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I had to open. I worked the front desk of a Y and had to be there at five a.m. Yeah, it's not fun, but it, it was just short lived. But it was kind of funny mm-hmm. that I, somehow I ended up there. Nice. Um, but we were making cakes and and sweets and stuff, so I, okay. I had a little bit of experience in baking. Not not that this Love is it. like something i enjoyed it was just a job but somehow <laughs> i ended up in that spot and i was good at it fairly good at yeah. it. yeah that's really cool <laughs> i uh i i like to bake cookies but and i actually did try and i'm getting better at baking bread nice um but like as far as cakes and i'll know we had uh raza's third birthday yesterday and kayla my sister-in-law uh, yeah. made her cake because i i just i think it looked amazing happen. It was amazing. It was very tall. Big shout out to uh, Kayla. It was yeah, pretty Yeah, thank amazing. you, Kayla. It was a rainbow <laughs> cake. It was really awesome. Yeah, but that's all I have. Well, for my recommendations, um, you guys know that I've been on an er- Ernest Klein. He's the guy that wrote mm-hmm. um, Ready Player One, Ready Player Two. And I just mm-hmm. read the next, well, this is not part of that, but it's another book he put out um, called Armada. And I don't know this book at all. It's fairly interesting because um, it, it almost it's about a coming to age kind of a story, but um, it, it is essentially kind of reminds me of what's happening right now. And if like, you know how I say that I thought the human race would come together if an alien species would like right. invade the earth, like, but now I'm, I'm realizing that maybe we wouldn't, <laughs> that we would still be very divided. And this is kind of yeah. that. And uh, essentially there's like this alien species is coming to destroy, you know, the human race. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's like a twist in the book and I don't want to ruin mm-hmm. it, but essentially it, it's kind of like a mirror effect where, the we are our own uh enemies essentially and everything that we're doing to destroy this other alien planet is actually just us being reflected right back at us and like if we essentially destroy this planet we are essentially destroying our own planet like it's just like Mm -hmm. a trick Mm -hmm. um and Mm -hmm. it's like a test for human race to see if we're like willing to be open-minded and and consider other life and other planets and not come with an aggressive attitude you know was Um, this after ready player one or before uh great question i'm not sure i can look it up um that sounds really good let's see it was 2015 so after yeah yeah um cool but yeah it was i i thought it was pretty good and um I, you know i enjoy sci-fi so you should try it out awesome (laughs) ernest klein completist what? You're like complete. You're a completist. Oh. For Ernest <laughs> I guess so. It, it wasn't intentional. I like that. I just, yeah. you know, he. I think he 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 writes a book. Uh, the way he writes the books are really. Um, he has that great like. It's it's really good and makes you think, but it's also super entertaining. Yes, that's what I said last time. Like exactly. he he hits that balance really really well. Yeah, and then the other thing, uh, the other book that I've been reading, uh, it's uh, what if. Um, by mm-hmm. Randall Monroe, and I read it's this. essentially a a book about scientific answers to hypothetical questions. So, for example, um, what happens if you drop a steak um, from you know an airplane? Like, how will it be cooked <laughs> by the time it hits the ground? You know, like crazy questions yeah. like that that doesn't that don't really matter. He actually gives you a scientific explanation for what would actually happen. Um, so- yeah, I think I listened to this book on audio what'd you think of it i i liked it It, this is the problem with me i remember liking it i don't remember anything about it (laughs) i'm like that with some books i'm like i really enjoyed it but i don't remember anything about it yeah like i if i i'm pretty sure i read that (laughs) (laughs) i thought this was a great book for like if you have a kid that's like really into science and like they ask those bizarre questions uh you know I, you know, some of them are kind of morbid and he'll definitely mm-hmm. say like that there's death involved if this happens. But for the most part, I think it would be interesting for kids to like kind of understand and get an idea of yeah. how things are. Yeah. I remember like one was like about if the world would start spinning faster or slower or 
start stop spinning no i think it was if it stops spinning but um like if the world's it was like stop spinning but then the it would still be rotating around the um gotcha galaxy galaxy. Mm -hmm. um and essentially we would be torn to shreds because what spinning is what keeps us grounded so if the earth stopped turning around at, at the speed that it does then um essentially all these forces that you know around mm-hmm. the galaxy or whatever would yeah. pull our organs and everything <laughs> yeah yeah it's pretty morbid sometimes but it's it's a yeah. good book i thought it's it was, a cool book it's a cool book there was and, and yeah there was one there was one where uh, somebody wanted to know if if you could um do a uh a jetpack but using uh machine guns like if you can mm. use a machine gun jetpack, <laughs> I was like, who thinks of this? But he actually gives yeah. you like a really good answer. So it was yeah. just interesting. Very cool. Awesome. Well, all right. That's all I got. That's all I have. Yeah. Well, uh, hopefully this information is not outdated in two days <laughs> from our Delta talk. Exactly. Well, as always, uh, Give us a call, leave us a voicemail on at 502-653-9157. You can visit us at blue.hc.com and feel free to subscribe and share this podcast wherever you're listening to your podcast. Yeah, and you can find us on Instagram and Facebook. Um, we are blue.harrison county on Instagram. And if you search blue.harrison county on Facebook, we will be there. And we will see you next time. See you next time. Bye.